Welcome to the Sports Garden Network Podcast, your source for sports entertainment, incredible sports wagering intelligence. Welcome, sports fans. This is Wagering Week. I'm Tom Barton. That's right. We are Wagering Week. Facebook and Twitter is how you can get in touch with us. It is SportsGarden, G-A-R-T-E-N, 855, the number 4, G-A-R-T-E-N. Do not forget the hashtag, very important, hashtag S-G-N, iTunes, iHeartRadio, any of our fine syndicated affiliates. That is how you get in touch with us. Guys, we want to hear from you, and we have a lot to talk about today. We have some MVP odds to talk about. It's always a good conversation, and man, it has gotten really interesting. I will definitely get into MVP odds. Also, I want to talk about some big bets in the NFL coming down, the Mets fall, and which schedules are big, and we have a lot of sports betting news that I want to break down, so we're going to get into that first. I want to get into the sports betting news because... You know, while it might not impact your city specifically, it is really a talking point. All of the stuff that came down this week is uh, mind-boggling in some ways. I am one of these people that I've spoke about this for decades. I could literally say decades. That I knew this was coming. But now that it's coming, it's almost like I'm almost unprepared for it because I'm so shocked at the progress that we're making and how quickly we're, we're making this. Um... You can see the writing on the wall. You can see what this is all leading to, what this is all going down the path to. And that path is that every stadium in America is going to have a sports book in it. You can see a path going down where every single uh, sports league will have a partner. You can see a path where every team is going to have a different kind of betting partner. So when I go over the news, just keep it in mind, uh, this is all just kind of leading to where this sports world was going to go. It's funny how quickly it comes up, though. We were sitting in meetings, myself, my partner Gary Polkowski, the producer of the show, uh, we were sitting in meetings four years ago with people and sitting down and going, this is what's going to happen in five years. You're going to get sports books in every major Arena, you're going to have be able, the, the ability to go buy a hot dog and a parlay card. Like, you're going to have this. This is what's going to happen. You're going to have baseball announcers, football announcers, basketball announcers, and hockey announcers talking about the spreads, talking about prop plays of players during the games. I went out and said, look, you're going to have at the halftime of the Super Bowl a sports betting analyst. Come on. This is what's going to happen. And myself and Gary got laughed out of a lot of rooms. You guys are crazy. It's never going to happen. I could go back even further. About 15, 17 years ago, I pitched a show (laughs) like this that was a wagering sports talk show on Sports Talk Radio to do it seamless, to have sports talk and sports talk wagering go into each other. And I was told uh, by the biggest sports radio station in the country, it will never happen, ever. Thank you for the real. We love the way that you sound. This show will never happen. Well, they're doing it now. So when we talk about the news, you can see where this world is going, okay? And again, I could joke around, but let's not sit back and think that I'm going to go crazy about Shaq being named brand ambassador for WinBet, which happened this week, okay? Shaq was named the brand ambassador. Oh, great, right? He's going to be the face of the advertising campaigns, TV, digital, print, and whatnot. Per NBA rules, he has to sell his share in the Sacramento Kings. Uh, uh, Whatever. Uh, You know, whatever. I mean, if these companies believe, I got nothing against Shaq, I like him a lot. But if these companies are out there believing that a celebrity is going to make sports bettors 
go and run to that site. I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know who's doing their, their market. You need people that are going to give advice, people that are giving good information, people that are making it entertaining, uh, not just throw Jimmy, whatever, Jamie Foxx up there and call it a day. I mean, if you're going to do that, if you really want to attract sports bettors, I think I know what attracts sports bettors, right? Probably not Shaq. <laughs> and I love Shaq. I wish I could work with him, but probably not Shaq. Um, where we are going with the teams, and this is an interesting direction, the Jaguars have signed Thrive Fantasy as a sponsor. Thrive does prop-style fantasy sports betting, and they're going to create Jag-theme contest. What? This is a weird one for me to kind of get my head around, because what do you mean? You're doing prop plays with Jag-theme contest? You're telling me you don't see the problem where we're intersecting here? You don't see the issue where we might intersect? Like, uh, what? This is a, a, a... Weird situation for me. Not because they have a betting partner in the Jacksonville Jaguars. No, 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 no. It has nothing to do with that. This is a weird situation because you're doing prop betting. So if the prop bet is that, you know, Trevor Lawrence is going to have, uh, you know, 37 com- uh, you know, attempts and Urban Meyer decides to sit on the ball with uh, 42 seconds left on the clock. You don't think people are going to go, oh, come on, just throw one. I mean, there's, you're just going down a bad, bad, bad path. Uh, we have some other news in. This is this is the thing that kind of got me spurred to go. Wow. Major League Baseball and Barstool Sports are in significant talks to broadcast games. This is according to the New York Post. Now, Barstool Sports, Major League Baseball, quote unquote, significant negotiations they're having about uh, national midweek games on the site's platforms. This is according to Andrew Marsh. And now, to their credit, David Portney, who uh, owns Barstool Sports, kind of just said no comment, but made it known. I, I kind of don't know what he's talking about. But besides the news being news, it's just the idea. Are we really ready? I'm ready. But are we ready to have a Major League Baseball game be on a sports betting platform, do we go down the path that you have to be part of that app to get the game? Are we getting to that point where it, the media partner and the sports betting partner are going to be synonymous and you're not going to be able to tell them apart? We're not going to be able to tell apart a betting partner with a media partner? I think we're already getting there in the background of radio, but... Uh, from a television standpoint, I think it's a weird direction. Again, this is nothing against Barstool. This is nothing against the idea of Major League Baseball being on it. won't affect my life. I'm a sports better. But the idea that you're bringing up conversation and you're bringing up uh, conversations about integrity that I just don't think we need to be having right now, which you're opening up a lot of doors for that. DraftKings this week is buying a golden nugget. Um, their online gaming and sports betting business for $1.56 billion. Tillman Fertitta, who owns the Golden Nugget and the CEO, said these are two market leaders. They merged together, uh, global player, blah, 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 blah. This is more of the speculation that DraftKings is kind of getting away from the sports betting market and more into the online casino market. And you look at the margins of the sports betting market according to you know all the numbers that come out against the online casino. And it's it just there's just no difference here. I mean... Um, there's no arguing the difference here. It is massive, massive that the online gaming is just producing much more profit. 
DraftKings kind of moving away. But on top of this, it's not just news because now we weave down that rabbit hole, right? And down the rabbit hole we go, Alice, because here we go down the rabbit hole. Texas sports betting probably won't be coming uh, until about 2025. They're hitting a couple of snags and there's problems. But the Golden Nugget and DraftKings going into association with each other will definitely be there when it goes live, right? You know that the Golden Nugget, uh, obviously, and and DraftKings, they're going to be there. They're going to go live. There is already a deal that DraftKings and the Houston Rockets have exclusive DFS rights. Oh, by the way... Who is part of the Houston Rockets? Oh, yeah, the Fertitta family has something to do with that, which means the Toyota Center will have a retail book. Do you see how the rabbit hole goes now? So we now are looking at a Texas sports book, according to me. And now we continue down because Arizona big things are happening. Big news in Arizona sports betting because the Arizona Cardinals and Gila Rivers Hotel and Casino partnered with MGM to give BetMGM the online and retail access to Arizona, which means the Cardinals will be the first team with a retail sports book in their stadium, and they're planning to open before the 2022 season. So just in this conversation of news that broke this week, this week news that broke is bringing sports books eventually into the into the the out of the casinos and out of the mobile completely and put them boom right in the stadium right in the arena future plans for retail sports books DraftKings wants in at TPC Scottsdale BetMGM at State Farm Stadium which is the Cardinals right Caesars Chase Field at the Diamondbacks FanDuel Phoenix Suns Arena Phoenix and Arizona as a whole are going to be a major player in the sports betting world very, very soon. Arizona is probably going to do more harm to Las Vegas than anybody else could possibly do outside of of Los Angeles and, and California. Arizona is going to be a destination spot for sports bettors at this point. They are going all in on sports betting. And you start to go, well, they're going to have it in almost every single place that, that, that you know a national team plays. This is going to be an interesting year, especially in Arizona. All right, how about in New York, which I've talked about the minute that New York opens up. Forget Las Vegas, forget Atlantic City. They will be squashed like a bug because New York City and New York will absolutely dominate the sports betting world. Everyone keeps looking at the date of being, hey, we we might get this done by the Super Bowl. That's what they're kind of hoping. Now the applications have been submitted. Bet365 can be with Fanatic Sportsbook, Penn, St- Penn National at Barstool, FanDuel at Bally, Bet, BetMGM, DraftKings, Fox Bet can be with Caesars, Resorts World, Points Bet, Bet Rivers, Win Bet, and the score, and your mind is probably swimming. You don't know what I'm talking about. So let me break it down. So what's going on here is that the New York State Gaming Commission has to select two platform providers and four platform operators for its available licenses. The people that have gone in have decided to go and say, you know what, we're going to do a joint force here. We're going to get together and we're going to have big packages and we're going to do this in association with people, with each other. And let's go down. So FanDuel is the primary applicant, but they also have BallyBet, BetMGM and DraftKings. So it's FanDuel, BallyBet, BetMGM and DraftKings. Camby, who is the primary applicant, has Fanatics, Sportsbook and Penn National Gaming. Camby also has Caesars Resorts World, uh, Points Bet, Rush Street, Interactive, and WinBet. 
Then you have Bet365, Fox Bet, and the score all kind of out on their own, although even the score is going to be gobbled up here because we know what's going on behind scenes. So that's what's going to happen. With all of this being said, what does it mean? It's good for New York sports fans because I was worried that the limited number of options would really limit the scope of what New York sports betting could be. I mean, that's just reality. If you only have a couple of outs, you can only shop for a couple of lines. That was a problem. Well, it looks like if you, because they went into association with each other, all right, we're all going to kind of combine forces here, which means you're going to have more avenues. It's not as many as some other states, of course. It's not going to be as many as Las Vegas or even Atlantic City um, or New Jersey, I should say. But New York is going to have some outs, at least what this looks right now. It looks like this is going to kind of keep away one big entity from just dominating and getting an almost a monopoly. It's going to give us sports betters options. It's going to give us the opportunity to sell on better lines. And that is pretty good, right? I mean, this is what we're looking. The potential exists where, you know, you have, I don't know, eight, nine of these entities to go out there, start downloading the apps and, and kind of just having your way with it. That is what we're looking at in New York, right? With all that said, okay, um, there is a, another good reason why all of the, these guys going together kind of helps. And it's the idea of more heads are better than, than, than one kind of thing, right? Because nothing is saying that it's going to get pushed through sooner. You know, I had a lot of people write, and you guys could write me over at Facebook and Twitter. It's uh, Sports Garden, G-A-R-T-E-N. And a lot of people writing and go, okay, when do you think it's going to? Well, now now that they've submitted these bids, do you see a timeline change? And no, no, we're not betting on New York football, you know, on my app in, in three weeks for opening day or four weeks. It's just not, that's not happening, okay? It's not happening. So I still think the Super Bowl is in play here. I think that pre-Super Bowl launch is what they've always said. They want to come out the week before the Super Bowl, make it that huge, all right, here they are. They're on the scene for the Super Bowl. New York sports betting, it's going to be insane. It's going to be ridiculous. Then you find out the problems. You kind of tweak them a little bit before March Madness. Then March Madness gets insane, ridiculous. Then you take the summer off to kind of just make sure that your platforms are okay. You've cleaned things up to get ready for 2022 opening day. That's what I think that the timeline has always been. What makes me feel good about all these big operators joining forces and coming together and saying, okay, we're going we're gonna to be one, is that I think that they know a lot of the loopholes to get through. I think they're going to know how to get through the regulations. I think they're going to know how to get through the licenses and the procedures for that. And if they don't know, somebody on the other team might know. I mean, that's how I'm looking at generally all of what we're, we're staring at during this. It's a unique situation. It's a unique position to say, okay, we're all going to kind of combine forces just so we could have it done in New York. I think it's fantastic. I think that's crazy to think that they were able to do it, but I think it's a great thing to see them be able to do it. The other thing I want to uh, kind of throw out here also, because this is interesting, Andrew Cuomo is out. Thank God. Oh, my goodness. The guy was a bane of my existence. And forget about politics. I'm not going to go on a political rant because even people on the Democratic side hated him because of the sports betting. Okay? The man that was leading the charge to legalize sports betting in New York is a Democrat, part of his own party. So it's not it's a bipartisan position. Everybody hates Cuomo. Okay? I mean, it's just, it's just the way it goes. Um, but he's out. But the reason I bring this up is because 
the new acting governor here uh, in New York that comes in, her husband has a pretty large background in sports wagering. Okay, he's got an interest, investment. So there is that connection, too, to help New York kind of fast track this or at least have an inside man. Can you say, you know, at least I'm not saying anything nefarious. I'm saying, you know, somebody that is trying to push it in the right direction as opposed to Cuomo, who wanted to bang his head against the wall all the time about everything. So at least there's that. The final note that I'm going to say about all of this, and this is just a kind of a personal opinion that I, I want to share here because it is a weird spot that I'm in. I'm in a weird spot because I am a sports better by and by 100%. I've always been a sports better. I have a hard time separating sports betting from sports at times. Sure, 100%. I also am someone um, that loves the growth of the business, loves the growth of the industry, but I'm also somebody that goes, ah, this might feel wrong. The weekend series that is coming from the place of Field of Dreams, it is a movie based on Joe Jackson, who was thrown out of baseball for allegedly betting, for allegedly throwing games, where the movie was made. There was another movie, Eight Men Out, was made to show that he didn't do it, and statistics back up that he didn't throw it. It's a weird visual to be watching the New York Yankees, who, oh, by the way, sports betting is not legal in New York overall, and the Chicago White Sox, where, you know, sports betting scandal took place, and Joe Jackson is outside of Pete Rose, the biggest sports betting, you know, conversation that we've had. It's a weird situation to watch Major League Baseball break away from a game that is representing Joe Jackson and Shoeless Joe and being thrown out of the league for betting and playing betting commercials. Meanwhile, behind the scenes, we're all talking about Major League Baseball is going to now broadcast on a betting network. They're going to be be broadcasting on a betting network where you could watch the games inside the, the game. It's inside the home stadium, eating a hot dog, betting on the games, watching the Armour Sports Betting Network. And we're having a game this weekend, a series this weekend, that in a lot of ways is just idolizing a man that was thrown out of the sport for betting. It's a weird visual. So while I love the growth of the industry, and I'm happy that the industry is growing, and I think this is where it needs to go. I think this is where the industry was always going to go. People were trying to hold it back. I'm not even shocked that it's going here at all, but there are some times, and this weekend is certainly one of them, there are some times where you got to put the money aside. Maybe don't run sports betting ads during the White Sox, Yankees, and the Field of Dreams. It's a bad look. It's a bad look to have Pete Rose throw out the first ball wearing a DraftKings jersey <laughs> at Red Stadium. You know, I mean, you know, not that it's going to happen, but... That's what I equate this to. It's a bad visual for the sport of baseball. I don't think anything nefarious is going on. I don't think anything will. But I'm also a believer that Shoeless Joe didn't bet on games, didn't throw games specifically. And if we're going to represent a movie that talks about Shoeless Joe and a movie that's talking about the most famous guy that bet on baseball being banned from baseball, we can't then cut away from the Shoeless Joe emotion and go into a sports betting commercial. 
It's just a weird situation, guys. It was a weird look to begin with, and it's just getting weirder by the day. Maybe they'll announce that they have a betting platform on TV on Barstool during that game. Oh, it's just a bad situation. All right, guys, we're going to take a quick timeout. What are the odds right after this on Wagering Week? Now back to Wagering Week with Tom Barton. I'll bet you 20 bucks I can get you gambling before the end of the day. No way. I'll give you three to one odds. You're on. What are the odds? What are the odds? Well, the NL East has been a complete minefield lately. The New York Mets on August 5th were minus 120. The Phillies were plus 240. And the Atlanta Braves were plus 280. Well, today, oh, it's changed quite a bit. Philly is even money. The Mets are plus 230, and the Atlanta Braves are plus 240. That is what are the odds. Hey, guys, the New York Mets are just a mess. But how about, how about let's give a little credit to what Philly is. Since July 1st, the Phillies are first Major League Baseball in runs scored, second in OPS, fourth in home runs, fourth in, uh, first in walk rate, and second in fewest swinging strikes. That's just fantastic. I mean, they have played fantastic, but the Mets are a disaster, and we have to talk about it. Their first half starting pitching and stats are really what is separating them. And, you know, you could sit back and you could blame Lindor and the offense for being injured and just not producing, and Conforto's been out, and we know that J.D. Davis was out, and now Baez hurt his back. Okay. And everyone's blaming the bullpen. Oh, the Mets' bullpen's garbage. But here's the stat that just says, guys, it's way more than that. It is starting pitching here for the New York Mets, and that's what it is. If you live and die by starting pitching, which the New York Mets were built to do, then you have to succeed on starting pitching, which the New York Mets are not doing. First half of the season, the New York Mets ranking in all of baseball, number two in ERA. FIP, number one. WHIP, number two. K percentage, fourth best. So you have... ERA second best, whip second best, K percentage fourth best. I mean, they're a top five team, and I would go to out there and say they were either the best or the second best starting pitching unit in all of baseball. Well, they have just taken a downturn. And since the beginning of July, they have the 22nd worst record in Major League Baseball. And I say forget about the offense that can't hit. Look, that's not what they were built on. Forget about the fact that they're booting the ball all over the, fa- all over the place. And forget about the fact that their bullpen stinks. It's the starting pitching. Their second-half starting pitching statistics rank like this. Their ERA has almost doubled, and they're tied for 24th in the league. Their FIP is 26th. Their WHIP is 24th. Their K percentage, 26th. The New York Mets are playing atrociously right now. Absolutely horrible. While Philly's playing absolutely great. So you start to look at the odds that I gave you there, right? And you start to to break down some of the odds that we had, and you go, is there a buying opportunity in any of these positions? Well, let's let's have a conversation here because, yeah, the Mets in the last week have gone from a minus 120 to a plus 230 because no one has any confidence in them. We're going to find out at the end of this week if Jacob deGrom is even coming back. I think they're dead in the water whether he comes back or not, to be honest with you. I don't really think it matters. But are, are they coming back? Um, so who are you going to bet on? Look, I think Atlanta has to be a player here, even if I'm not sold on the New York Mets. But here's where we get into what I always say, and that is let's look at the schedules. Because the schedules mean everything in Major League Baseball, and the New York Mets come in with the second toughest remaining schedule from here on out. 
When you look at the Mets' schedule and you see them only a couple games behind, and you know what? Maybe there's some buying opportunity. You can hear that. And if DeGrom gets it back, oh, there's a lot of ifs there. But after this weekend, um, after this week, you get into a weekend series with the Dodgers. Then at San Francisco, four against the Dodgers, three against San Francisco. Wow. We are talking about their next 13 games are against the two best teams in baseball, in the Dodgers and Giants. Then they get a little reprieve because then they got Washington, Miami, Washington, Miami, which is pretty nice. So if you can survive that West Coast uh, barrage, you do get 13 games against Washington and Miami. But then you have to take on the Yankees for three, St. Louis for three, Philly for three, Boston in Boston for two, Milwaukee in Milwaukee for three before ending it off with three against Miami and three against Atlanta in Atlanta. Their schedule's brutal. Basically, that that Friday, August 13th to Thursday, August 26th run of the Giants and Dodgers, can I go out here as a sports better and say, uh, you know what, I'm going to go out on a limb. It's really probably not that big of a limb. But I'm going to go out here and I'm going to go, I don't know if they'll be favored in one. I, I don't think. I don't think they'll be favored in one game. Unless DeGrom comes back which I don't think he does, they're not going to be favored in one single game over the next two weeks. That's rough. Does that mean, so in a 13-game stretch, let's talk, Met fans, right? Let's have a serious conversation. You're going through a 13-game stretch, seven of which is on the road on the West Coast. 13 games against the Dodgers and the Giants. 13. Do you think you can go over 500? Can you go seven and six? No. Okay, so throw that nonsense out. It's a success if you go 6-7. and seven. And guess what? That's not happening either. Do you think they could go 5-8? and eight? I think 5-8 and eight is a little tough. I think squeaking five games out is a little tough. But 5-8? and 5-8 and eight's rough. Are we looking at 4-9? and nine? Is a 4-9 and nine run for the New York Mets expected here? I'm looking at about a four-win kind of a situation over the next 13. Then you get into the, uh-oh, what-ifs. They'll be underdogs in every single game. Every single game. What if What if 3-10? and 10? What if 2-11? and 11? Right? I mean, these are not crazy what-ifs. So while they're going to be struggling over the next 13 games, and I don't think they win any more than four, let's take a look at what Philly will be up against. Philly's going to have Cincinnati at home. Dangerous, but you will be favored in those games. Then at Arizona, at San Diego, Tampa, Arizona, Washington, Miami, at Milwaukee's tough. Then you get four against Colorado at home, three against Chicago at home, take on the Mets. You finish it off with three against Baltimore, four against Pittsburgh, three at Atlanta, three at Miami. So Philly has one of the easiest schedules in the league. The Miami, uh, you know, Marlins could be Dangerous at the end, but doesn't really seem like it, right? So, Philly's in a really good spot right here. And everyone's going to be out there saying, don't forget my about my Atlanta Braves, right? Don't forget about my Atlanta Braves. No problem. Let's take a quick peek at the schedule there when we're talking about the Atlanta Braves. All right, well, while the Mets are beating up on those teams uh, or getting beat up by those teams, uh, and Philly has that schedule, let's talk about Atlanta. This weekend series at Washington, then at Miami, then at Baltimore. Teams they should all beat, but they're all road games. Then you have the Yankees, Giants, and Dodgers for eight games in a row. 
that's going to be a tough stretch. Four against Colorado, Washington, Miami, Colorado again. Big stretch from September 2nd to the 14th where they take on Colorado seven times, Miami three times, Washington three times. That is a 16-game stretch where they should win every one of those games. I mean, they really should. Here's the thing. They finish it off pretty rough. Three in San Francisco. You get a reprieve. Four against Arizona. Three in San Francisco, I should say. Three at San Diego. Philly, the Mets. So Atlanta's not done either. I do think we can say goodbye to the Mets. Bury the Mets. Don't bet on them. Don't go near them. The Mets are finished. Let's look at the rest of the schedule. Because if the Mets have one of the easiest, and I said the Mets have the second toughest and the Phillies have the second easiest, well, who's got the first? San Diego has the toughest schedule remaining. San Diego's a team that's looking up and they're trying to chase the Dodgers and the Giants, and San Diego is in a tough spot trying to chase those two big teams. And you, you want to kind of sit back and say, okay, San Diego is a team that could put it all together. We know that, that they can, and they're not so far out of it that we have to give up hope. But guys, they still have to play the Giants and the Dodgers 19 more times. That's an incredible amount of more times. That's an insane amount. Now, they get Arizona and Colorado for the next seven games. That's huge. Then they have Philly, L.A., L.A., (laughs) at Arizona, Houston, Angels, Dodgers, San Fran, St. Louis, San Fran, Atlanta, L.A., San Fran. I can't make it up. I can't make this up. From September 3rd till the end of the season, let's just go over this again for the San Diego Padres that I believe are, are in danger of missing the playoffs at this point because I look at the schedule. From September 3rd till the end of the year, Three games against first place Houston. Two games against the the Angels. Three games in L.A. against the Dodgers. Four games in San Francisco against San Fran. Two games at St. Louis. Three games against San Francisco. Three games against Atlanta. Three games against the Dodgers. Three games at San Fran. You end at San Fran at the Dodgers. I mean, you want to look on the bright side. And you want to say, hey, you know what? We we could take these teams on because, uh, you know, we could make up some ground. They have 10 games left, 10 games left against the Giants, guys. That's a lot of games left. Nine games left against the Dodgers. But while you can make the time up there and you can make up some games, that just looks dangerous, doesn't it? I mean, when you start breaking down the schedule, not only do I think San Diego is done for the, the forget about the division. They're too far back. And with this kind of schedule, no way. But are they in danger of losing out on the wild card right now? I mean, can we have the conversation that they may not make a wild card? I think we have to have that conversation. Because when you start to break it down, San Diego only has a, a, about four or five game lead over teams like Cincinnati and Atlanta. And I just told you about Atlanta's schedule, which brings me full circle. Who has the easiest schedule in the National League? How about the Cincinnati Reds? And Cincinnati is in a spot here, guys, where they're about five games back of the division. They're about five games back of the wild card, five or six or so. They're in a spot where everyone's writing them off, but the bookmakers aren't. Milwaukee doesn't have a massive, massive minus 900 like the Astros have, right, to win the division. No, because everybody knows the schedule. 
right? You got Philly, Chicago, then Miami, Milwaukee, Miami, St. Louis, Detroit, Chicago, St. Louis, Pittsburgh, Dodgers, Pittsburgh, Washington, Chicago, Pittsburgh. They got nine games left against Pittsburgh this year. Nine, right? So they get to clean up on the Pittsburgh Pirates when you are talking about San Diego playing San Francisco and L.A. And you have to look at what the teams are doing to each other, right? What 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 does Cincinnati do to Pittsburgh? Well, they've won eight and nine this year against them. They dominate the Pirates. So don't go writing off the Reds just yet. Luis Castillo has started to look a little bit better. Joey Votto started to look a little bit better, and they're in shooting distance with the easiest schedule in the National League. But the teams they are chasing, the teams they're going up against. They're chasing San Diego right now. You could talk about Milwaukee and focus on Milwaukee and keep an eye on Milwaukee. I get it. But the reality is they're chasing San Francisco, uh, San Diego. They're not looking at this the right way. San Diego's looking at San Francisco. San Diego needs to be looking in their rearview mirror and going, uh-oh, the Reds are coming. Because the Reds are cleaning up on the Pirates when we're taking on the Dodgers and the Giants in L.A. and in San Fran. How about uh, the American League? Right, We talked about some of the schedules. Well, here is what I mentioned. The Astros have a couple of game lead here over Oakland, depending on what day you're listening to this podcast. They had two-game lead, three-game lead or so over the Oakland A's. But they're minus 900 to win the division. So you go, wait a minute, what is Oakland plus 500? Tom, I see a buying opportunity. I see a big buying opportunity on Oakland. They're only a couple of games back, plus 500. Oh, wow, here we go. And you go, wait a minute. No, 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 not, oh, wow, here we go. Because we have to look at the schedules. So the Oakland A's have the toughest schedule remaining in all of baseball. 16 of of their next 50 remaining games are against first-place Astros, first-place Giants, and first-place White Sox. They have the toughest schedule in all of baseball. And you start to look at Oakland, who is barely hanging on to a wild-card spot, And you start to look at Oakland, maybe feeling the pressure. You start to look at Oakland's starting pitchers, Caprillian, and all these other guys that have been so vital to their team. And you go, okay, can they handle what is about to come? Can they handle what their schedule is? Because their schedule is brutal. So you get three games at Texas coming up, no big deal. Four in Chicago against the White Sox, three against San Francisco, then they take two Seattle. Four against the Yankees. Three against Detroit, three against Toronto, who could be dangerous. Four against the White Sox. Texas in there, Kansas City. And then after the Angel series, it gets brutal because you then have seven games against Seattle, six games against Houston. You know, you have the last six games against Houston. Your season will probably come down to the fact, can you keep your head above water here for a little while and then take on the Astros in that last weekend? And that last week, you know, you have six games over the last week or so. Can you take them on head-to-head? That is what you are hoping for. Because while you have the best schedule uh, uh, for that situation, look, the Astros have the easiest schedule in all of the American League in the second half. The Houston Astros are minus 900 for a reason, guys. Here's who they have left. The Angels, the Royals. The Royals again, Seattle, Texas, Seattle again, San Diego, Seattle again, the Angels, Texas, Arizona, the Angels, and you got Oakland, Tampa, and Oakland to finish it off. But from, um, if you really break it down, from 
we'll, we'll, we'll say Friday, right? From Friday, August 13th, all the way to September 23rd. August 13th until September 23rd. Here's who they play. Second to last place, Angels. Last place, Arizona. Second to last, well, last place, Texas. Second to last place, Angels. Seattle a couple of times. San Diego's one good one. Last place, Texas. Second to last place, Kansas City. Second to last place, Kansas City. Second to last place, Angels. Last place, Colorado. You're going to clean up. So while we look at all this and we can say, hey, is is there any value at plus 500? Are we looking at something where maybe we could sneak some value in? Because that's what everybody's always trying to kind of find is, all right, we're here. You know, it's a pretty good situation. Nah, look, this is reality is they're minus 900 for a reason. They, just like we are sitting back and talking about the Mets, they are in a position where, let's be honest here, guys, the reality of the situation has to come full forward. The Oakland A's have the Hardest schedule in the American League, the hardest schedule in all of baseball to close out the year from this week for going forward. The Astros have the easiest in the American League. On the flip side, San Diego has the toughest schedule. The Reds have the easiest. And you go, wait a minute, Tom, what does the Reds have to do with San Diego? They're chasing them for a wild card. We could very well be looking at a situation where today you're thinking about betting on Oakland to win the division and they don't make the playoffs. You could be sitting in a position today where maybe you're looking at maybe San Diego could make a push and win the division. They may not make the playoffs. The team that people are forgetting about are the Cincinnati Reds. The Reds are the team that I'd be looking at right now. I'd be looking to make a good, sizable wager. Maybe maybe not that they win the division, but they make a playoff run because their schedule is just a joke. And you look at the Astros. If you could find anything out there that the Houston Astros are going to have the best record in the American League, well, they're only a game or two back at Tampa now, and we look at that schedule, and you, you just gasp at the schedule. And you gasp at what the situation is because, wow, can you believe how insane, and what a cakewalk the Houston Astros have at the end here. So I think it's fair to say I think Houston's winning the division. I think it, it, we already wrote the Chicago White Sox in. The American League East gets a little dicey, right? I do think the Red Sox are showing us more who they are. If the Yankees didn't have all these COVID problems, I'd be probably taking the Yankees here. But the Rays are hard to go against. Wild card, I'm sorry. I look at that schedule. I can't go in with Oakland. I can't. So can it be the Yankees-Red Sox? Maybe. Maybe. Uh, I do think San Francisco wins that division, even though I've been on that the Dodgers are eventually going to catch them. I don't know. Milwaukee should be able to hold court there. Philly and Atlanta, it's a toss-up, but I think we could easily say the New York Mets are dead in the water. And you start to look at who can be that wild card. You're only getting one team out of the East, so forget about the wild card there. Okay, and the Dodgers or the Giants, whoever doesn't win there, are they're going to get that wild card. So who is the other wild card? Who are we looking for? I think it's the Reds. You know, I think the Reds overtake San Diego. And I think we're looking at the Cincinnati Reds upsetting everybody because everybody loves San Diego, right? They were going crazy about San Diego. I think the Reds upset everybody. I think San Diego gets, uh, you know, to play a decent amount here. They're going to play decent baseball. and They're going to have a lot, a good amount of games to get back into it. Just think it's up against them. I don't think they're that good. I don't think they're better than the Giants. I don't think they're better than the Dodgers. And they're going to have to be. Meanwhile, the Reds are going to be sitting back, getting fat and happy, beating up on the Pittsburgh Pirates. That's what they're going to do. And you can't tell me, well, you never know what the Pirates are going to do. Yeah, I kind of know because the Reds have beaten them eight or nine times this year already. 
You think Pittsburgh is going to get better as the year goes on? Or do you think they're going to try some minor leaguers? think they're going to give a shot to guys that maybe aren't ready? Yeah, that's what's going to happen late in the year. So the Reds are going to feast on the Pittsburgh Pirates and the likes like that. And San Francisco and L.A. could just squash San Diego's hopes. I'm betting on Cincinnati to take that final wild card spot. Something I didn't think I would say just a couple of weeks ago. But, hey, that's why we look to the future. Now let's go bet to the future. We're sending you back to the future. Okay, all right. Bet Bet to to the future. Bet to the future. Well, guys, Aaron Rodgers has been on everyone's lips all offseason long. I have some prop plays for you. How about Aaron Rodgers' total passing touchdowns? It has been posted at 38 and a half, but you got to lay minus 140 for the over, plus 120 for the under. I've seen this go up to 39, even 39 and a half in some places. How much do you believe in Aaron Rodgers? That is bet to the future. I got to tell you, that's a large number. I want to break this down a little bit because this is a massive number. First of all, 38 and a half, the over, minus 140. So when I said, you know, you see the line movement rise up to nine. Look, he had 48 touchdowns last year, okay? But don't we have to look at besides last year? Yeah. So depending on what number you're using, if you're using the 38 and a half that was up uh, at minus 140, if you're using the 39, or I'm even seeing 39 and a half, let's look Look a little bit deeper because I'm seeing some problems here, okay? 48 last year. Okay, phenomenal. We know it. MVP. Go ahead. Year before that, 26. Year before that, 25. Year before that, 16. So he's thrown and cashed this ticket once in the last four years. Now, he had 40 in 2016. Before that, 31, 38, 17, 39. 45 all the way back to 2011, 28, 30, 28. So when you're looking at Aaron Rodgers fully taking over in 2008, right, um, you're looking at 13 years. In 13 years, depending on what number you're using, 13 years, if you're using the number of 40, okay, 39 and a half, which means he's got to get to 40. If you're using that, he's only done it three times. If you're using... 38 and a half, well, he's done it one more time. So he he has cashed your ticket four or maybe three times in a 13-year career. I'm loving the under. I like the under 38 and a half at plus 125, or if I could get it at 39. See, I like it at 39 because that means he needs to hit 40. If you give me 39, you know, and I'm not – I'm not going to lay too much. I, I, I've seen it plus, uh, I mean, one, minus 115 or so. I'll take that. I'll take the 39 instead of the, the plus money. I, I like it. I, I just don't see Aaron Rodgers going crazy again. And I think that the numbers in his career show that that's just not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. Um, I want to talk about a, a couple of other things here, and, and let's get into big bets. And the most bets for win totals in the NFL right now, Lions over the five, Broncos over eight and a half, Eagles over the six and a half. And I think there's reasons for all this. First of all, Lions over the five. I I just believe that this is just such a low number that people are going, well, it's the lowest number on the board. I'm just going to go over. And I believe that there are just a large betting group of people that are out there that just say, I'm going to take the lowest number every time and just go go over it. And this has got to be the reason for the Lions because the Lions just have nothing. They have nothing. You can talk to me about T.J. Hawkinson, who I do like. 
and Swift is nice. And you might believe in Jared Goff. But the reality is you have nobody to stretch the field. They have some of the worst wide receivers in the sport. Okay? So you have nobody to stretch the field at all. And if you have nobody to stretch the field, guys, well, what's going to happen? Those short intermediate passes, which means tight ends and running backs, are now going to have the safety move up into the box. They're going to put two-on-ones, and they're going to take away those short options, which means they're also going to be able to rush the passer and take chances. I don't like them over the five. You know, you're in a division where I think Minnesota is going to be pretty good this year. I think the Bears are going to be improved, and I think that Green Bay is still going to be pretty good. I don't like that over the five. Broncos over eight and a half. I have to believe that a large portion of the money and the tickets coming in for the win total over came in because of speculation that Aaron Rodgers would be the quarterback here. So people said, you know what, I'll take a shot. I'll take a shot with the Broncos here. I'll take a prayer. I don't think people are actually going to run up to the window over the 8.5 and and think it's a tremendously good bet. I think it was a designed kind of opportunity here, saying, all right, I'll take a couple of bucks on it. Maybe they're going to get the nine wins anyway. Right? They got a couple of good wide receivers. I like their tight end. I don't mind Melvin Gordon, even though they drafted somebody behind him. I like pieces on their team. I just don't believe in Drew Locke. I think that they are about an eight or nine win team. Their defense is pretty good. But the reason why it's getting so many tickets, I, I have to believe, is because of speculation that Aaron Rodgers is going to be the starting quarterback. Eagles over six and a half. You know, here's another one where you you think that, okay, it's set so low, but if you don't believe in Jalen Hurts, well, this is set way too high. I don't know if I believe in Hurts. I don't know if I believe in Miles Sanders. I don't know if I believe in this offense. I don't know if I believe in this defense. I don't know if I believe in the coach anymore. I mean, I don't know anything. Here's what I do know. There's a lot of people that go to Atlantic City, a lot of people that go to the Philadelphia area to go bet that are Eagles fans. And the ticket counts will always come in very heavily for Eagles and Giants. Weirdly, not the Jets, sure, but Eagles and Giants, right? And you're you're looking at the Eagles team total over at 6.5. I can't say I hate it, okay? I'm just trying to explain why. Why would this be one of the biggest win totals? And the biggest win totals here, this is one of the reasons why I'm, I'm talking about it, shouldn't be the Eagles, other than the fact that it's close proximity to a lot of betting markets, specifically Atlantic City. Specifically Atlantic City during the summer, which means beach town, which means when people go from New York or Connecticut or uh, even just Philadelphia, different parts of Pennsylvania and all of New Jersey, they're going to go down there and they're going to say, you know what? I'll throw a couple of bucks. I'm here to enjoy the beach, go in the water, and, you know, have a couple of cocktails over there in Margaritaville Bar. I, I, you're going to do that, and you're going to throw a couple of, ah, throw a couple hundred dollars on the Eagles team total over. It's the only explanation I could give because I don't think it's that line up to go grab this number type of team. How about the most unders? Well, there's three games here, uh, three teams here that makes sense when you look at their games and you look at the, the public perception on two of them. One I don't get. But we'll talk about it. Steelers under the 8.5, Jaguars under 6.5, Jets under the 6. The Jets under the 6 makes sense. It's the Jets. And I mean, honestly, that's the only thing you could say about it. It's the Jets. The New York Jets are traditionally a team you just bet on the under. They're a dysfunctional squad. They had a hard time signing their new quarterback. Their new quarterback doesn't have the excitement that Trey Lance has. Doesn't have the excitement that Trevor Lawrence clearly has. Doesn't even have the excitement that Justin Fields has. The New York Jets have a guy that people are expecting to fail. They don't like the offense. He doesn't have many weapons around him. They don't like the defense. That doesn't have a lot of weapons. 
And you're talking about the Jets in a division where we all expect New England to be better. Buffalo is potentially Super Bowl bound, and Miami is probably playoff bound. So the Jets may go 0-6 in their division. This is an under that is a tough under to get to. My thing is how I always talk about this, and I, I, I talked about this with Josh Taylor um, in recent weeks on the show when you flip the number and you talk about it from a different aspect, instead of saying the Jets are going to lose under 60, do you think the Jets can win seven? Look at their schedule. Find me seven wins for the New York Jets. I don't think you can. And that really is what it breaks down to. When you're taking team totals and stuff, you have to do that. You have to look at can they win seven games. Find me the seven wins. Let's go through the schedule. Carolina, all right potential win, right? You're not beating New England. You're not beating Denver in Denver. No, you're not beating Tennessee. You might beat Atlanta uh, in a neutral site game, right? Okay, let's say at best two. You're not beating Cincinnati at home. No, yeah, sure, we'll give you three. Indy, no. Buffalo, no. Miami, no. Houston, we'll give you four. Philly, we'll give you five. I'm going to give you Philly at home. New Orleans, no. Miami, no. Jacksonville, will give you six. Tampa, no. Buffalo, no. So I got six wins here. But I gave you Philly at home. I gave you Atlanta. And I gave you a game where they're underdogs in Carolina. I can't find seven wins. In order to start looking at seven wins for the New York Jets, you have to think that they're going to beat Miami or New England or Buffalo. And all of those other games. So I do like the under there. I get why people are doing it. I understand it, but I do like it. How about under six and a half for the Jaguars? Well, here is something I completely disagree with, but I'll give you the idea. The idea here is that Jacksonville is always bad. Again, I think there are just a group of people that will come up and walk up to the sportsbook year after year after year and bet on the Jacksonville under, just like the bet on the Jets under. And they're going to do that year after year. And the Jacksonville under is a little inflated at 6.5 this year. I like the over. I personally do. And I look at the Jacksonville Jaguars as a team that I'm going to be maybe on my own for the over. I think they beat Houston. I think they could beat Denver at home. Okay, Um, I think they have a shot at beating Cincinnati, even though it's on the road. I think they could beat Atlanta at home late in the year. I do. I see them taking both against Houston, by the way. I think they beat the Jets, you know, so that's six wins right there. Can they squeak out a seventh win against a New England? Can they squeak out a seventh win against Miami in London? Can they squeak out a seventh win? Arizona traveling cross country at home. I mean, this is what we're talking about. So. I understand why you guys are betting against it, but I, I'm the other way. I like the over. And then the team that everyone's piling on is the Pittsburgh Steelers, and I've made some references to Pittsburgh over the course of the last couple of weeks because I do like the over here, and everyone seems to be piling on the under. People are going crazy for the under, and I'm just looking at it, and I'm going, why? We have to get to nine wins to cash the over. You have to get eight wins to cash the under. Mike Tomlin's never had a losing career, uh, losing season in his entire career, including Duck Hodges' years, okay? You can't deny the fact that Najee Harris is a massive upgrade at running back. You can't deny the fact that Claypool, Schuster, and uh, you look at Deontay Johnson, one, two, three, are a fantastic receiving core. You can't deny the fact that this defense should be a top-five defense and they're returning uh, T.J. Watt, who might win defensive MVP. You might have Fitzpatrick be the best defensive back in the league. So they have a great defense, great defense, very, very good receiving core, a potentially very good running back. So it's all banking on bad offensive line and Big Ben. All right, I'll give you that. There's reasons enough to think they're not going to win the division because of that, but are we looking at eight wins? 
So find me, you know, I'm going to give you the eight winners. You tell me which one they don't win, okay? Las Vegas and Cincinnati back-to-back at home. I got them winning those two. At home in Pittsburgh, 2-0, all right? Denver at home, 3-0. Well, not 3-0, three wins, okay? I think they could beat Chicago at home. And I'm a Bears guy. That's four. Detroit at home. That's five. Okay? Uh, You then start to look at Tennessee at home, Minnesota at home. Do they get swept by Baltimore? Do they get swept by Cleveland? Do they lose to Seattle at home? Right? You Green Bay? You're at five, six wins without trying. I think they they have six wins in their sleep here. So can we get three more out of Buffalo, Green Bay, on the road to Cincinnati, Seattle at home, the double tilt with Cleveland, double tilt with Baltimore, at Minnesota, Tennessee, at KC. I think it's going to be close. I'm not going to sit here and tell you I have them winning 12, 13 games, guys. But I think going under the eight is a little bit crazy. And it is the biggest, most bet win total under right now in the NFL. The number one win total under that everyone is betting is the Pittsburgh Steelers. So I wanted to give a couple of minutes to that because I, I just I can't believe it. I can't believe that's where we're sitting here because I am completely against the public. I, I'm, I'm against the public. Forget about the Jets. I'm with you with the Jets, okay, uh, who isn't. Um, I, I'm not going to make that bet, but I'm not going to talk you out of it. I'm going to try to talk you out of Jacksonville. I'm going to try to talk you out of Pittsburgh. That's what I do. That's what we do here. I'm going to try to talk you out of really bad decisions. That's what I'm going to try to get you on board. And, you know, you start to come around with the NFL season, and we do have our big NFL you know, preview coming up. Actually, next week we're going to do our college football preview. The week after that is going to be our fantasy preview, and the week after that will be our big NFL preview. So I'll give you a lot more between them. But, guys, suffice it to say, I don't love any of the picks that, that the major – public entities go everyone's running to the ticket window under jets under jags under steelers i kind of like the over steelers i'm i've already bet the over in the jacksonville and the jets okay i can live with you know so you start to look at that and i'm going i think they're missing i think you're missing the boat i think you're missing the boat on some big time names that we can actually make some real money on instead of this speculation and hoping You're betting on the Jacksonville Jaguars for their history, not for what's on paper. You're betting on the New York Jets, sure, their history and what's on paper. You're betting on Pittsburgh because you're believing a lot of the hype. Either you don't believe Ben's going to be upright, okay, which I get with a bad offensive line and Ben Roethlisberger. Either you don't believe that Big Ben is going to be upright, or you just have no understanding of what Mike Tomlin and this Pittsburgh team is about. There's going to be a game or two this year that the defense just flat out wins the game. Defensive running game, but flat out wins the game. So if Big Ben could be any semblance of himself, this is a bad bet to go under. Bad bet to go. I'm not telling you to go over right now, but it's a bad bet to go under. All right, guys, that's going to do it for me. Enjoy all the games. Next week is our college football preview show. I'm Tom Bart for Wagering Week. We'll be back, and you can bet on that. This has been a presentation of the Sports Garden Network. To be part of the show, call 1-855-4-GARTEN. That's 1-855-442-7386. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter at Sports Garden. That's G-A-R-T-E-N. Get all your credible sports intelligence 24 hours a day by visiting us at sportsgarden.com.